everyone. Welcome to episode four. Was episode three? No, yes, it's episode four of season four. I'm kind of lost count already because I've done this thing so much now that I've lost so much time in not only producing the show but also just like hosting the show stuff like that. But anyway, enough of my uh, enough about my willpower to do the show. Anyway, I have a guest today. Her name is Joyce Miller. That's your Hello. <laughs> she, Thanks for having me. Of course. She's a performer in New York City, or or at least from New York City, I think. So, Joyce, how did you get into the performing arts? Yeah, how did you get into the performing arts? Well, I'm actually, I live in New York, but I'm from Philly. Um, but I moved here to study acting. Um, when I was, I mean, when I was growing up, I feel like um, the imp. I think I was, I was like a class clown pretty, pretty early in life. Um, I would say I, I went the class clown route for how I got into performing. Um, I did a school play here and there, which until like seventh or eighth grade was more or less an ob oblivious experience where we were all put on stage at like you know the Montessori school that I went to yeah and we would all kind of sit there and do our line I was not a performing arts kid met like many of my friends were in the youth orchestra or went to acting camp or loved putting on plays in their backyard but yeah. i was kind of i was kind of a class clown which is a different genre and um i dreamed of doing plays but i i actually i dreamed of being on a stage being watched by people which is slightly yeah. different which i think like I think um, as I've matured, I've recognized there's performing and there's acting. And performing is very um, different than acting. Like acting is a very introspective and private kind of craft. And I would say as an actor, I started rather late. Um, like I didn't, I didn't really separate performing versus acting. Yeah. I didn't start to, I didn't start to make that true distinction until, you know, probably after I I graduated college. Um so I I did work up the courage to start doing school plays when I was in high school, but I would say at that point and I I did the, mo the first kind of serious training I pursued was at the Pennsylvania Governor's School of the Fine Arts between junior year and senior year, which was an, an absolutely life-changing program. Really amazing program that is now defunded, which ah. really, there's a Facebook group called Reinstate PGSA, which is an attempt to get it up and running like back again. Back on track. So. Yes, it was just 
a transformative experience as a young artist. And also the first, the first time I started to understand the psychology of, of sort of modern realism as an yeah. actor, which is, which is a really steep learning curve and I think takes a lot of time. And I would say as an actor, I really started late and I kind of, because I started looking at the craft like junior year of high school. And then prior to that point, I was a class clown who liked it when people paid attention to me and in, enjoyed doing funny roles in, in the school plays and stuff. Um, yeah, so, I noticed, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that's like a, a, I noticed that sometimes I do call people by performers and, you know, instead of like, you know, oh, he's an actor, she's an actress, but sometimes I usually, usually, I usually say, oh, they are performers. So it's like acting and performing are like somewhat two different things depending on how it's presented. You know, acting is more or less, you're given a script, or yeah, you're given a script or given a play, and then you essentially, uh, what's the term? Go over that play like almost methodically and pick out like beats all that stuff. So when you know when that scene is coming, you know how to react all that stuff. And there are people who can naturally react, right? And there are people who, like what you just said before, who get more into the role where it's just like, there's this sort of like rhythm for them when it comes to yeah. yeah when it comes to uh acting do you have that like rhythm or is it just like something that comes very naturally for you i i i feel like um i realize also there's there's no like hard and fast rule or line between what's performing and what's acting yeah um you know that's also probably a matter of like time period and style as well yeah. um and i don't i think i have a lot to learn and read um about the history of technique and yeah and different schools like uh because I trained at one very specific studio, but um, I think uh, I think for me is that um, it's quite quite a challenge uh, for me to um, to. To, to know when to um, stop kind of only functioning with a kind of exterior projection of a performance yeah. and allow uh, myself to, as they repeatedly say um in some acting classes do nothing so that 
you're you're allowing yourself to to be spontaneous um without trying to manipulate your surroundings uh, i'm sorry reactions um yeah it's very is very hard for me and it's also it's it's tricky just because um a lot of the performing I've done has been in stage plays and it's been yeah. in experimental or downtown or comedic or usually often all three yeah. uh, roles. And I've worked on more film uh, recently, which has been very rewarding, but it's like when you're on stage, you, you can never, know what it's like to see your performance from the outside yeah and which is a beautiful thing because yeah sorry to interrupt you but it is a beautiful thing because i would have it's if i could best describe it you don't want to be your own critic because if you have someone who's recording your thing and you watch it later goes i should have done this instead of that i should have done that instead of this so it's like when you're watching your show or something, uh, like if someone records your performance and you watch it later, it's like you kind of like start critiquing your own performance. So it is very good when you're just basically in your own element and you don't have to think about choices and stuff like that too, at least for me. Because when I think about choices, it's like, okay, uh, you know, my, my professors in the past would just say, Brian, here's your objective, here's your obstacle, you know, stuff like that. But when I get on stage, or at least like the black box thing, or like a studio thing, I don't think that. I just think about what's in front of me. And sometimes what's in front of me is either a good challenging actor, or sometimes someone who doesn't know how to handle the scene, so I'm doing my best to handle uh, to uh, make them work, i.e. Uh, if they're fumbling around with the lines, like, hey, this is what you need to do. It's like, sometimes I would do that, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's odd because once you're on, out on that stage, it's an experience that that is, it's odd to talk about because you have to be on stage in order to, to uh, feel it. Because, or well, in stage, or because when you're, yeah, when you're out on stage, it's a very interesting performance feeling to have because you don't know what you're doing. You're kind of like making the choices as you're going along sometimes, at least for me. Other people might have like very, like we were just like what I was saying before, which was rhythmic things. They do it very methodically. They have things down by the pat, you know, they do things by the book and it works for them. But then there are actors who kind of like works very spontaneity, which is how my professors will always say is like, I have a great spontaneity in my acting because they don't know what I'm going to be doing next. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like you can never predict what an actor's work is going to be like based on how they 
talk about it. I've heard like brilliant statements from actors who I then watch and I'm like, that, that was awful or something. I mean, maybe they just like, and I've, you know, and some people who you don't expect to be just an amazing actor, you don't even, you don't even know they're an actor, you know, maybe they're yeah. like stage managing or something. And then you see them and you're like, oh my God, they're like a genius, you know, you, you never can tell really, um, other than having to face up to the fact of doing it. Um, but it's also interesting because we live in such a fragmented time period with so much information and then we have access to all the different, you know, basic outline of like every, every philosophy on acting yeah. ever. Um, I mean, it takes like a lifetime to really master any one thing, but, or even get close to it, but like, yeah. you know, everybody's coming from a different style and a different school of thought these days. It's like the, the sort of, you kind of have to, just when you're, when you're acting and performing, you just have to kind of accept that everything is all, everything is all in, like everything is part of the scene. You have to, you have to let yourself take it in rather than block it out um, sometimes. But with, with film, it's like, you can have one actor who you wouldn't even be able to hear if they weren't miked, but yeah. their, their work is, is riveting and because we have the technology to mic you you can mic yourself to suit whatever volume is in your range of comfort it's like i don't have to i don't have to train myself to speak at a certain volume the film can mic me at wherever i'm the most like comfortable being expressive in that role and that's kind of cool. It's, it's um, different on stage because you just, you, for me, it's like, if, if I'm not doing the vocal warm warmup, um, the, yeah. then it's like sabotaging, it's gonna sabotage me. Yeah, I try my best to do a vocal warm up or at least a rollback or at least some uh, some exercises I know, especially during before an audition, because sometimes when I do an audition, it'd be like I'd be like by myself and I've done this in the past, but I'd be like by myself, okay, do a little you know, or like a rollback of the spine so I could feel like a lot more flexible. And mm -hmm. I think it's good to do those exercises beforehand because I, I will I've had seen actors who yeah I've seen actors and actresses who take their time and actually do their warm-ups like that because they know they're gonna be on stage for like maybe 90 minutes or something like that and they want to be at their uh pinnacle peak of performance well, that was a good keyword. word <laughs> and pinnacle peak of performance <laughs> Yeah, it's that's, like, that's, good. that's a that's a book title, an uh, acting how to yeah. book title. How to become good actors uh, uh, to get your pinnacle peak performance. Uh, you. Just pinnacle, just pinnacle peak of performance. Yeah, that's actually much better. And yeah, especially if they do have like a song and dance number when there is, uh, because it's odd because, you know, 
some of the plays I've done, they wouldn't be like musicals and stuff like that, but they would be like a random dance number or something like that, or at least something that has a lot of like motion and stuff like that, where it's just like, hey, you know, my character does blank for a few minutes, so I might as well get my body movements and stuff like that according to that. So even though I'm not a trained, I mean, I'm not a trained dancer, at least do some dancing exercises that I know from acting class and stuff like that to do. So once that scene comes up, it looks like I know what I'm doing. So it's actually pretty fun to watch like actors who, and it's like what you just said before, it's like there are actors who, you know, who I wouldn't see doing like exercises, like, like how you just said before, where like, oh, stage managers who would, or something like that, technical people who don't do acting. So it's odd to, to, I think it's because I've done the technical side of theater a lot more than the, you know, performance side. So it's like, it's weird for me to actually see, you know, actors who would be very, very mindful of what they're doing right before they go out on stage especially if it's like a long performance. So, yeah. I mean, I have found the more, the more years that I have been acting, um, the, the deeper I have to go and the more I see how on the surface I've been in the past in terms of preparing myself to perform just like physically and vocally um most honestly like most of the the roles and performances i've had in the past you know year or two um have not been i'm in a lead role although many times i've been on stage like the whole time or it'll be like i have a distinct role but i'll come out for like 10 minutes or something but like um like um there's the the thing about acting and performing it's um there is such a payoff and reward to just doing it in front of a crowd that um you can forget to also figure out how to sustain your sense of reward over yeah. the course of the long-term work that, that you really have to do and that you recognize more and more the more you act of, yeah, I've got to do my, my vocal warm-up like every day starting, you know, I should be doing it every day regardless, but yeah. it's like doing it, you know, for like an hour at least every day just to play a role where you're speaking for maybe like five to 10 minutes is really important for me I've realized it makes all the difference and then even to know how to do the same vocal warm-up that I've been doing for like you know 10 years has been like a huge learning process like learning to do my vocal warm-up has almost been like the way a pianist like works on the same Chopin piece for you know their whole life and they learn new things about it every time like when I first learned to do an actor's vocal warm-up I had no idea what I was doing I was just trying to make myself 
loud, louder than everyone in class. And like, that is really just so, it's just crazy the what, where you are when you begin. And then as you keep going, like the work you're doing is constantly deepening and changing and like yeah. learning about like how to make sure you're doing your vocal warm up so that you're not enforcing habits of tension that you like carry in your life um, is, but it, it, you know, and it's, 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 it's a tough discipline because you can yeah. come up with any kind of mental reason to procrastinate um, the, and it's, it's, you know, economically the odds are, against an actor because because you're you're having to carve out time that only you are incentivizing yourself to to work on these things like nobody's paying you nobody's forcing you um you have to you have to motivate yourself to do it um yeah i mean picking and up then the mental the mental like reward of just being on stage in and of itself is so euphoria inducing yeah. that you've got to you've got to come down from that after a performance and remember that like no no i did not like that is not the reward like you don't just go oh yeah i get to be on stage let's go home now i mean you can but you've got to you've got to kind of trick your brain into finding the reward of like the sustained work that nobody sees. And you have to figure that because the euphoria of on stage and then like the, the little acts of like, you know, invisible, undefinable private work are completely different. And I, I honestly feel like, you know, I, for me to sustain like 90, you know, 60 to 90 minutes on stage is like, yeah. I would really have to up my, my game, like to be at like 100% as an actor right now. I mean, we are in a pandemic, but like, yeah. I like workshopping a solo show, you know, that I just was kind of doing many aspects of, um, I felt like my acting was more at like a 70, um, yeah. which is not satisfying, uh, but it's, it's, it's just a, a real process to get something kind of brought fully to fruition. Yeah, especially if you're running a piece or, or a play or whatnot, and you keep going through that workshop where it's just like, do you, you know, I workshop a play that it's about, you know, life and death, right? And it, it should be about, I feel like it, like you just said before, is like, it's, uh, I feel like with the two performances I've done with the play, and I didn't even act with, act with it, I just mainly produced it while other people act with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's at at least 60, 65%, where it's just like, I feel like it hasn't had that peak performance <laughs> before where it's just like this is at the the level of it should be performed now it should be performed not later it should be performed now but for some reason i think the problem is that 
when it comes to personal stuff that you're writing and stuff like that, there is a bit of a perfectionist, a perfection, perfectionism regarding to your own stuff, where it's just like, no, 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 it's like, it has to be, just take out this, take out that, maybe take out, maybe replace this, that, you know what, just scrap that the whole thorn, let's just redo everything back to normal. You know, it's a lot more harder to do your own work, especially if you're producing your own work, and especially if it's like a solo show, because my, one of my former professors, he is a solo artist, right? And he's done essentially a lot of solo work. And I didn't have the, I missed the opportunity to do a solo class because he wouldn't done it. Because he mentioned that, oh, the stuff that his students wrote for that solo class was just the tip of the iceberg. It would have been like maybe a 15 minute presentation, maybe even 20 minutes sometimes. He said that some of his classmates, yeah, some of his uh, students wrote stuff that was like qualifying for like maybe an hour showcase. So it is a, a lot more difficult to, if you're going to be doing uh, something like your own solo work for like an hour or so, especially if it's like a one-man performance or a one-woman performance, that sort of thing. That's going to be a lot more disciplined for you because, you know, it was like what you said before, you may have to start training yourself like an hour a day of just, just like warm-ups, that sort of thing, even if you're not going to be on stage that day or, you know, your show date could be like maybe even in three weeks. So, but still, it, you you shouldn't really procrastinate. So you got to really train yourself to be more mindful about, hey, I'm going to be on stage for about an hour and a half or maybe an hour. Can my body really take that? So. I got to start training and then over the time the training becomes like much more of a resonant where it's just like everything has a purpose and stuff like that too. Yeah. And it's also like, it's good to try to do your vocal warm up um, regularly and because you don't want to get used to just doing it last minute in a state of fear backstage yeah because you're just going to train your body to habitualize more tension that way yeah. but if you make your vocal warm-up more um integrated into like your your safe space um then when you do it like backstage it'll also just evoke by virtue of it just being kind of stored in your body yeah uh, more more release and and more range for you yeah I so you can get me, that's... so like you said before so you get more of that euphoric feeling of like once that performance is done you get more of a euphoria where it's just like and yeah it's like every and every single time i was on stage i just had that like post-show uh post-show glow or post-show just like cool down where it's just like I had a great performance I should treat myself or something like that well yeah I mean you don't necessarily want only euphoria to be 
you know like you want like emotional freedom but it, but yeah. that's a good point like it's also it's good to oh, i don't want to move the candelabra that i wanted that here okay, okay. Um, no problem <laughs> that was a bad it was an impulse to start like pointing the candelabra um uh but yeah it's also good to to give yourself a treat like a little yeah. something after the show don't go crazy you know um but like I've definitely, especially training at, at acting school where the impulse is to beat yourself up as a way to motivate yourself to do better. There's constructive, you know, self-criticism. And then there's also just like feeling the need to broadcast that you're a tortured artist yeah. who must, who must do better. And that actually, that's not I mean, I, I've tried, I've tried tried that to some extent um but you actually you need to give yourself a reward so that you're tricking yourself to have a positive association with doing it in the future like it's honestly like trying to train your your kid to to do their homework by giving them like a bowl of ice cream later if they promise to finish all their stuff eventually they won't need the ice cream they'll mature and learn to study but like yeah. <laughs> you gotta give yourself little rewards like and it's not really about the rewards too sometimes it's also it's also more about especially when there is a post is like especially if your director comes up and goes that was what i was looking for it's like you need to have not only affirmation from not only a director or maybe even stage manager especially if it's especially if it's from the stage manager because the stage manager might know more than the director but that could be a different story but like i've had much more stage managers who knew more than the director, but sometimes the director knew more than the stage manager, so it's like an interesting little bubble there. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm rambling on there. But anyway, yeah. No, no. But yeah, it's definitely, you definitely do need to have some sort of like, uh, not necessarily a treat, but some sort of like, uh, this thing where it's just like, okay, I did great in that performance tonight. I should at least treat and then afterwards you're just like do i want to treat myself again no because i gotta do another performance the, the next night so yeah right and i mean not like nothing is more rewarding than you know hearing from a, a collaborator or an audience member that like you've given something to enhance their experience yeah but sometimes you're not gonna get any positive reinforcement from the outside and you've got to know how to keep yourself motivated and that reward doesn't have to be like i'm gonna go have like a cocktail it can be like i have gonna go like have a hot bath or like i'm gonna like you know like a nice myself, long walk watch Instead like six hours of movies or, or or it can be like yeah i'm gonna like have like six martinis and like a full turkey dinner like just to myself like it can be but the reward does not have to be like you going bankrupt or you like blacking yeah. out drunk it can also be like i'm gonna give myself a hot bath or i'm gonna like take a train ride up to this like cool landmark that i've been meaning to see yeah so I've... it can be anything yeah, on top, I'm related to that because I've done, well, not done, but I've been with that 
or people who kind of like treat themselves right after a performance, especially if it's like a, a play, it's like, oh, you know, I'll be hanging with the playwright or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun to hang out. Yeah, and they go out with cast parties or group parties, whatnot, and there wouldn't be that many, and there, but, but there would be also actors who would just go straight home, who was like, you know, I did good, but I gotta go home. It's like, it, you know, I live like maybe 90 minutes away, so it's like, I can't wait with you. So it's like, so it's like, but I I think though there are actors and actresses who do take more part of the partying aspect, I mean, aspect, and just be more mindful of just because they think they're doing great for that one performance or at least with this role doesn't mean that they need to keep on doing, you know, that sort of thing. It's something I saw a lot in college, especially, well, not in my regular college, but my community college days. So I saw a lot more people who were not real. And it's sort of, and it's what you just said before too, is picking up on that, which was that there are actors who think they are actors, but they haven't really gained that experience yet. So, and and I think in community college, even though it's, it's a great system, Community college actors, especially for theater programs, they haven't really gotten that sense of exposure just yet. They're still on that like uh, stepping stool ground. But after like a couple of performances or so, they start really making sure what you know they you know what they do is in terms of uh, how they perceive acting. Because a lot of people who I worked with have always perceived theater as being almost like a party scene because oh, theater parties, they, they're usually very good, or cast parties, that sort of thing, too. So there are actors who just want to do the party scene. So their uh, treat is usually, oh, let's just have a party after the after the show. But then there are actors who who be like me, who will be like, yeah, well, we did very good, but I, I live like maybe an hour and a half away, so I gotta get home. So, and that long, and my treat would be essentially, taking a nice good rest on the subway, even though it won't be like a full rest, it'll just be like a good nap on the subway. Yeah, there's always such a polarity between the monastic and the decadent aspects of, you know, being, I guess, in any aspect of the arts, but definitely the performing arts, for sure. Uh. I know with you being from Philly, how is the Philadelphia like theater scene there compared to where I it, would oh, you don't know like i I left i I moved away from Philly when I was seventeen and had just graduated high school. Oh, okay. so all I know is hearsay. I've heard it's, I've heard it's a great place for performers to make a living after you've proved that you're in the community to stay there. They like to hire, from what I've heard, local Philadelphia resident actors. So at least when I was in high school, the word on the street was that you can make a sustainable living as a Philadelphia stage actor. Hmm. Um, and you know, you'll get, they, you'll get, they have agencies 
there and casting offices there um, that allow you to have screen work as well and also make a living working on the stage. I'm sure it's fiercely competitive, you know, like any performing arts community, but yeah. I've also heard it's it's possible. I also know the Pig Iron Theater Company came out of Philadelphia. Oh, um, nice. And they're, they're like also thriving in New York as well from what I hear. And I remember they did a workshop at the production of um, my high school's Oedipus Rex um that we did when i was a senior they came and did like a, a workshop with the with us as the chorus and they were like amazing even then hmm, nice yeah uh now speaking of new york uh do you have any theaters or places that you do like as with being an actor especially because that like when I say places, I mean like theaters. Like, do you have like a particular theater that you like where because this might be a good theater for me because I get the best out of myself, but also much more good just locally? Or yeah, just like like do you have like a personal preference to a theater in New York City that you do like or theaters? I should say. Well, I've always. I've loved um, performing at Dixon Place. I've always just really enjoyed their stage. I've, I've performed a lot in the past three or four years with the Planet Connections festivity, um, which doesn't have a brick and mortar space. Um, but they are a community and yeah. they've had their festival in the past at um, the Clemente Soto Velez space. Yeah. I know it's like uh, a church. So I was like, I remember it being a church and I remember it being on the east side. It was like a, like a very, very far like very far into the east side where it's just like there's not really a train that takes you there you just need to walk like a few blocks over but yeah i do remember uh near essex street it's it's like the delancey street area yeah and now of course they're on zoom with yeah. zoom fest um which i'll ask you in a couple of moments like how uh, or a couple of moments how it is compared to being on stage with Zoom stuff, but yeah, continue. I've also really, I've also really enjoyed um, the Brick Theater in Brooklyn. Have you ever heard of that space? Uh, no. The only theaters I know of in Brooklyn are the Heights, the Heights Players, and the Gallery, uh, Gallery Players. Okay, and the Brick Theater is really cool. They do a lot of amazing stuff. Um, and of course, the other theaters that are like very famous, like the the King's Theater, the uh, what was it, the, the theater. The, there's a theater in downtown, in downtown Brooklyn that LIU is still using, or at least is sort of using. And there's the BAM too, but BAM is also both a movie theater and a uh, a theater itself, I think. 
I have never performed at BAM, at BAM but I've, I've definitely see a, seen shows there. I had an opportunity to see a show at BAM, but I didn't take it because I, I would have been too tight. I, yeah, because my class had the opportunity to go see a show at BAM. It was, uh, it was a Shakespeare thing, but then I saw the stage too. It looked beautiful, but I was like, by the time I get from my college to BAM, I would have been just too tight. So I would be like, well, you should check out their movie theater sometime. The yeah, I, can't, I, I definitely want to see. Um, I, I also, I re, I re, the last show that I did was produced with Planet Connections through their Zoom Fest on November 9th. And it's at, I don't even want to share the secret of the space, but I would, you know, it's not a secret anymore. Like it never was a secret. Um, but like the, the uh, Culture Lab LIC gallery oh i want the candelabra okay um <laughs> the culture the culture lab lic in long island city which was recently known as the plaxall gallery is an art gallery where i just performed like uh, my solo show that glory cadigan directed um and like it's a big gallery space in Long Island City like by the water that also does theater sometimes um, but it's an art gallery and like during the pandemic they actually donated a lot of their space to like relief efforts census training meetings community services um, but they're this awesome art space and like really um, an amazing place to devise work because it's big and you're surrounded by visual arts and um, it's just an awesome, awesome space. But they're not like a conventional theater theater. Yeah. Like they're not like a black box. They're an art gallery and they're, they're just, it's, I've loved, you know, getting to develop work there and perform there. Yeah, I've noticed that sometimes there is a uniqueness in a space where it's like really, really small. It's like, it's not really a, a black box theater. It's not really a theater itself. It might be a bar somewhere. And right. there, you know, uh, again, like with the Lower East Side, there is a place that's like a poetry cafe. I forgot what it's, I think it's like, it was like be something poetry cafe, but something like that. and. And it's literally like there's the bar right here, and then there's like some space over here, and then there's like a somewhat of a stage like right over here, and you'd be over here. It's like you forget that you're in a bar sometimes. So there are elements where it's just like, and I've been at performances at a uh, you know a church, and you forget sometimes you're inside of a church. So it's it's weird how sometimes there are. Uh, performance spaces that aren't really theaters but end up becoming very good theater-like spaces for people who don't think, oh, I'm going to go see a, th a play and it ends up being outside the park. You know, I experienced a park and when you're doing a thing, you forget that you're in a park. You just feel the space around you. So yeah, it's, it's fun when the space itself ends up being a 
not really known space, right? But it ends up being essentially a uh, a space that you feel is unique because no one really had thought about before. Because when I think of, oh, art galleries, I think of my friends who had their art stuff, like put up at an art show and they'd be doing, you know, uh, you know, here is the portrait I did or here's the portrait I posed for, that sort of thing. And they'd be there for like, you know, a couple of hours, that sort of thing. I feel like I feel like a ton of people know Culture Lab LIC now because it's a huge it's a huge space and like tons of events happen there. Like at least like in the Long Island City area, like I feel like everybody at some point has has had to have passed through there at this point for one reason or another. Um, yeah. But yeah, like having Glory directed over Zoom like an incredible use of the space there. Like she did all kinds of amazing things, like just directing me from her like apartment over Zoom and figuring out how to use the space. Because when I went in there, I was really worried. It's like too much space. I'm not gonna know what to do. It's gonna totally mess up the show. Cause like last time I performed it literally in my bedroom at the beginning of the pandemic. And like now we have this huge space. This is a mistake. Like it's going to mess up the vibe of the show, but she did just these amazing things, just like telling me to move the computer around so she could see what the options were. Um, you know, like there was one scene where it was like the character was a child version of themselves and she figured out how to shift the, the chair the and the rug and the camera so that I would be in the, background and the furniture would be in the foreground so that I looked physically tinier it was really quite it was really funny because it, that's actually it was ingenious. like a, a mini version of myself yeah that's that's now that's uh you know I'm not I'm not a director yeah director I I I'm not a director I'm more like I come up with ideas or visual ideas but I don't know you know the craft of directing yeah, I have the same problem. Although I have more of a what I call the actor's director, where it's like I know how actor, I know how to work an actor, but I might not know how to block a scene. So that's my problem. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we mentioned this has been like a uh, recurring topic on my show, but the pandemic, the COVID, the coronavirus pandemic the fact that there hasn't been no shows at all for this past year. I mean, there has been shows, but it's been mostly over Zoom, that sort of thing too, especially, or at least over the computer, you know, online streaming stuff. Compared to like, has your thoughts changed? I mean, no. Has it, uh, this is what happens when my brain is telling me uh, uh, two, two, two different questions at once. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, how has your experience been with Zoom theater? There we go. Well, I mean, so I feel like back in April, when this all began. Yeah. I had the solo show that I've been devising scheduled for April 13th of 
2020. Yeah. Um, and that was right at the cusp of everything shutting down. It was actually going to be a culture lab LIC. And um, the sort of obsessive in me is like, I'm not canceling the show. No, no. I'll do it in the corner of my bedroom into zoom if i have to like i think i i think like that was when everybody was just hearing of zoom you know unless you already yeah. used it at like, your office or something so the the insane part of you that is like the show you know must go on and everything like yeah uh i was like well, I'm not canceling. So I'm not canceling. I mean, I was just like, well, yeah, I'll just do it somehow. Like, yeah. even if I do it alone, videotape it. I think a lot of people have that response, and it's yielded some pretty cool internet videos. But, um, like, yeah, Glory was going to direct it. So we just did it, like, really, like, in your bedroom, the way like a kid is like, I'm gonna do this play in my bedroom, everyone come watch in an hour. So then, and I think, I think many actors and performers just had that idea of like, oh, well, I'm not canceling. I'm just gonna do the show in office software alone in my room. And so it's hard because this whole global crisis and shifting is taking place. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, rehearsal becomes like the thing that's getting you out of bed. I mean, if not work as well, but like rehearsal is like the way you're socializing with, you know, the world as you knew it. Um, so that's what it was like at first. And Glory had, you know, I was involved in Planet Connections kind of casting pool so luckily other playwrights and directors gave me acting opportunities on zoom and it's quite it's tricky because it's a it's it takes a while to get beyond for me it took a while to get beyond the flat yeah. aspect of like okay the impulse like the impulse is like should I memorize? Is the world going to end tomorrow? Why are we on office software? How do I even connect to a human being? How is this satisfying? I feel like a, um, a, a laboratory experiment. Um, but then you start to realize it's kind of like a, a hybrid between film and theater because you do have to kind of have a sense of your like of of where to look yeah and what your angles are and how to create an illusion that you're in a position in relation to another person but it's not like on stage where you can if i look at you the audience is going to see me looking at you i mean it it's very much you know it's just about like for for me it kind of started as like this is a way to keep connected to the other artists and work on stuff and then have people come 
and be able to connect and talk to each other, you know, um, that's just, we're all trying to stay connected and survive right yeah. now. Um, Which is the and, goal essentially as an actor is to stay connected and stay at least creatively alive. Yeah. I mean, that's why we, that's why we do theater and watch other human beings do performances and work and stuff. Uh, but like in terms of where doing theater on like office software will go, I think people are getting more inventive and creative because that's just what artists do when they're given a circumstance to work with. But yeah. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, okay, is Zoom theater going to be kind of like the mini disc man of like, <laughs> you know, of, of acting where it's like it happened and then it's like, oh yeah, remember that? <laughs> like, yeah. Or is it going to be like, is Zoom theater going to wind up being like the beginning of like training people to do like more virtual reality stand-in surrogate stuff? I don't know. Like, is the, like, are people literally uploading like every Zoom interaction to like steal algorithms for for like making holograms of people to like use for free and you see yourself like on a billboard one day in times square as a hologram who knows yeah um but it, it actually that actually does raise a good point is that uh it actually does like will zoom theater actually help us not only get ready for something like holographic stuff but also just like computerized acting in general because at, at, at you know at, at some point there will be a technology where they won't you know you don't have to be legally on the set anymore or in the space anymore you know they have had they, you know they do have this technology but it's sort of limited maybe i'm not sure because i, I just do i just do remember like uh yeah, it's limited in, in the sense of them using what they can. So, yeah, I don't, maybe in 10 years or so, or maybe even closer, depending on how fast technology works, actors could be on Zoom and there could be a holographic projection where it's like, I, you know, this, this performance is in England and I live in, uh, I, you know, I live in, Germany and I can't get to there in time. So, you know, uh, just load up the Zoom, load up this little holographic projection thing. It connects to Zoom, and then suddenly you're out, you're right on on stage. It's sort of like an like we just said before, a cross between virtual reality and Zoom. So it's like, it's yeah. I do feel like there is a stepping stone with zoom theater right it has helped people because you know people and zoom theater has put on good benefit shows too so and especially yeah. like especially during this time where it's like you know uh, this will be the time for like benefit shows and stuff like that too but you know how can you do that when there's like literally no theater like no theater space has been okay to be go, you know going you know go in as i've married a couple of them but even then it's like it, it, it's it's weird compared to other places where it's just like, it's okay to go inside or something like that. Like being, yeah, I think like being an actor now is just, it's very weird because it's, 
just yeah it's a very weird time being an actor or performance i should say i think one really good thing that you've just brought up is that the fact that a lot of gatherings are being transferred onto zoom kind of evens the playing field a little more in terms of location so if you have internet access and you can use video conferencing software you can attend events yeah in new york even if you live in kansas and expose yourself to new work and new people that that it might have taken longer um at the same time a lot of organizations are not getting admission and drink sales that they might otherwise be getting if those events were live yeah and it's it's really important to try to keep the the stream of income that they need to stay afloat um because you know it's great to have us all being able to attend so many new things for free but if nobody can pay for it you know there's got to be some donation or relief effort coming in from somewhere yeah i would hope uh, i think with one of my last questions i could ask you right now is something that you just mentioned before which is essentially uh devising and creative workshop you know uh, i've done devising before and it has helped me uh with not only formatting plays and stuff like that too uh do you feel like now because of this pandemic has have you been able to work on a lot more of your stuff i.e you know with plays you've been trying to write down or acting you've been trying to like get down that sort of thing uh because of the pandemic and being essentially oh we gotta stay at home that sort of thing do you feel that you've got to a point where it's like you feel a lot more better or at least somewhat a lot more better in terms of rehearsing and also just crafting out ideas compared to where it's like you like i will say it's like it's really hard to uh you know uh smash down an idea and actually making it onto paper because you know just because the idea lands on just because you toss out a uh, a thing and lands on a good idea doesn't mean they can automatically write that idea out. I have tons of ideas I have to go through, but with the way my brain is, it still needs a process of like, like that very, like, I won't say like it's obsessive compulsive, it's more like the long lines of, I need to figure out all these details first. So it's like the details come first before I start writing it down. It, my question is, do you, is that the same process for you where it comes to like, oh, I have, because I'm pretty sure by the time you started with the, because you mentioned your device, divisive show, did that change from when the pandemic started, i.e. like around like March, April or so to where it is now? For me, I would say I worked most on writing projects that are 
not for performance, but for a reader in terms of moving those forward. I have many more elements to juggle with the solo show that yeah. I devised. So the writing is something that I still have to put a few more revisions into. I think that's something that probably varies person to person. I'm yeah. not that experienced of a playwright. Usually my written work has been short satirical online essays or longer term manuscript that isn't for performance yeah so marrying those two worlds and how to coordinate the process of drafting a play while working as an actor and coordinating the production elements is a is a bit of a challenge for me i tend to feel inclined to write privately and once rehearsal starts i don't make a ton of changes and i say okay i know this is not perfect it's still problematic but we're having an experience for people to come watch and this particular solo show is more like a a concert than a play it's more a piece of entertainment yeah um so i'm trying to get less precious about making necessary changes in the writing during the rehearsal process however i actually am pretty meticulous about drafting something before i feel like it's ready and final um and i know that i still have revisions to make um and even though the performance happened on the 9th, I have to follow up with like finalizing the draft of that, um, which, which I like to keep for my records or even, you know, post online um, on like Tumblr to just kind of say, this is the draft for the date of this performance. Um, it, it's not, necessarily ideal for me to post writing online always but i think because of the subject matter um it's good to put it out there um so that other people can see incomplete imperfect material um and stuff like that yeah um yeah that's pretty reasonable especially especially if you're revising something during you know months long especially if especially where it's like something like this where it's like actors really don't have much to do aside from just doing you know audition stuff or acting over the computer like this and especially if you're a creative actor and really are a creative artist where it's just like you have these ideas chances are you know 
even though we have so much time on our hands right now, it's good to actually show people is like this is what we're actually doing. So, so yeah, I do get the I, I do applaud you and also uh, saying you know this is my work. I know it might not be the best shape it is now, but give it a couple more. Give it a couple more tweaks. Yeah. Sense. Yeah, it's definitely a process. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think that's it for my questions. But I do have like three easy questions that are like fairly easy. Uh, one: Do you have any social media you want to plug, or are you really, really like quiet on the social media front? Um, if you want to watch. Um, a taping of the show we did at Culture Lab LIC. I posted it on YouTube on like a private link, um, but I have a Patreon page for the project. Um, oh, okay. I could easily post the Patreon page within the thing instead of like, oh, you know, like no, oh no, social media pages, but he has a Patreon page. Yeah, yeah it's 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 under the name of Hubbard, which is the name of the character of the solo show. All right. Uh, let me see. Do you have any? Okay. Aside from the devising stuff that you just mentioned, do you have any work that's and and the and the Zoom fast that's still probably going probably be still going around until. Oh, wow. Uh, do you have any other work that's going to be out soon that we could know about? And like, yeah, do you have any work that's coming out soon that you want to talk about, at least briefly? Well, I have a few things that I'm working on, but they're not officially coming out anywhere. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a holiday giggle smirk event through Planet Connections. That should be fun. Um, I'm having a short piece of mine performed by Issa Best, one of the actors in the Planet Connections community. And then I'm going to be performing in a play um, that Charles Cassano is going to be directing. Um, and those are those separate nights are both happening in December. Hmm. Um, other than that, the rest of the stuff is like me trying to get it published or get it produced or just working on things that don't have a date yet, but like we're in the process of kind of taking our time so we can go deeper so yeah but yeah. those are the two things that i've got scheduled for december uh I, I i did miss a great question which was essentially producing and since i am the, the host of this show uh do you have any uh, uh, yeah uh, this actually goes into my next question too uh do you have any advice to those who are actually not only being an actor, but also just being a person who are trying to produce their own work. Because it's hard to, 
to produce your own work, especially, I mean, nowadays it's easy to produce your own work, especially if you have like a YouTube channel or something like this. But in theater, I always feel like it's much more harder to do, to produce your own work because it's like theater would always be like almost a cutthroat type of thing where it's just like, there are theater festivals, but sometimes these festivals won't think that your play isn't like up to par to theirs, even if it's like a 10 minute play and it's a 10 minute play festival. So those who are still watching and listening, do you have any advice to those who are actors, but also trying to produce their own work? Hmm. I think if you don't have money, you're going to have to ask for it or you're going to have to invest a significant amount of time yeah. in doing something innovative that doesn't play by the rules of being able to just pay for something that you need. But anytime you can make work or do work or devote a certain amount of time in your day to being able to work is always going to be more fruitful than just sitting around wishing you were or sitting around talking about doing it. And the more you can plan your time in a way that you can realistically execute the better off you'll be. Even if you fail your daily to-do list, it's, it's better to have a plan for the day, the week, the month. You'll get better at planning and you'll get more done than if you don't have a plan. Hmm. And on that note, I think there's a good way to end the episode. Uh, Joyce, yeah. there's... <laughs> In the end, we always need to plan out things, and especially if you're an, a an actor or even a producer or just type, some type of creative artist who is struggling in this like weird notion of the world. But anyway, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for watching. Uh, Joyce, thank you again for being a guest for, for, for my show. And yeah, take care, everyone, and be well. <laughs>